Jesus said, Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they're going. What Jesus is talking about is walking in the light of God's truth. Because when we walk apart from that, we line ourselves, align ourselves with the enemy and we're going to stumble. It's like being in the darkness and trying to find your way. Most of us weren't born in the country, but any of you that got a little country in you, you know what a country road looks like at night. It's not like our roads that light up at night. <laughs> and that darkness is really dark. <laughs> Unless you've ever been anywhere where only by the starlight, which you can't really see the stars here in town that well, but you know what I'm talking about. Jesus didn't mean that if we do walk in the light of God's truth, we won't ever have any obstacles. There will be. They're promised to us. But in the light, God's with you. He'll see you through it. And no matter what, you still got God. This is all you need. Father, thank you for this day and for this opportunity to come together, your children, to worship and love you and to gain knowledge and understanding of your grace and truth. We love you and we thank you for the faith that you're instilling in us to walk in the light and victory in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 10. Today, the gospel of John chapter 10. I'm just going to read a little bit, but I'll set the... I'll set the tone here. In John chapter 9, Jesus had just healed a blind man. He was born blind. Jesus put a little mud on it, fixed it. (laughs) The religious-minded people of the day who claimed to be teachers and, and to know God came against him. And they started, as they sometimes did, claiming that Jesus was of the devil. He dealt with this a lot. And he said that, no, you know, that's not true. And uh, he said, I came so that those who are blind will see. And those who claim to see will be made blind. In other words, there was a bunch of people who thought they knew a lot about God and uh, His ways and they were wrong. Jesus said, I'm here to set it straight. I'm the way. Jesus says there at the end of John chapter 9, just starting the last verse of chapter 9, Jesus said to them, "If, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. He wasn't talking about natural eyesight in this particular case, even though that was the the springboard for the conversation. He just used it as an analogy. He's talking about in the spirit. 
spiritually these religious leaders were blind and but they kept continuing even though he kept pointing out the fact that they didn't know the truth or weren't walking in it they still claimed to see perfectly he said since you claim that you can see and you can't then you're going to remain blind starts off John chapter 10 Jesus says truly truly always having to convince people that he was good (laughs) I say to you he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way that man is a thief and a robber but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep to him the gatekeeper opens the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used to them, but they didn't understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand is not a shepherd. Who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in. Also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division amongst the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and he's insane. (laughs) Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Jesus said that the, the devil, the thief, is the one who comes to steal and kill and destroy all the, the death that comes into our lives comes through Satan. It's not God. Jesus has bore the judgment of God upon his body on the tree for you. Not only for you, but for the sins of the whole world, to be honest with you. Titus two eleven and 12 says that uh, the grace of God, which brings salvation, has appeared to all men teaching us to live godly lives in this ungodly world. It's appeared, it's been made available to everyone. 
the grace of God is established, but the faith of God has to be received and released to accept the free gift provided by grace, doesn't it? And not everybody's going to do that. But it's not God's fault. So many times in the world and in the church, unfortunately, people blame God for things. And then the things He's trying to do, they say are not God. They did the same thing to Jesus. But God is still true. He's still faithful and He loves us all. He's very patient. Wanting everyone to repent Come to the knowledge of God, receive salvation, and walk in victory in every area of our lives. He has provided for this. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. The total prosperity of the Christian. Because in 3 John, verse 2, it's only one chapter, so 3 John, verse 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as thy soul prosper. So it's God's will that we prosper in every way, spirit, soul, and body. And again, I continue to say He has provided for all of these things. If we're born again, then we're, we're set up for it. We're ready to partake and to walk in the victory and the, and the prosperity that he's talking about. Because in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it tells us, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, in other words, if you've, if you've yielded your life to him and made him the, the Lord of your life, accepted not only his grace, but his truth. <laughs> Some people just want it halfway there. They like the grace part. <laughs> But they still want to do it their way. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So here we are. Now the spirit of Satan has been evicted from our spirit. We've been renewed in our spirit. And sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So one third of our salvation is done. Incorruptible for all time. Right? Said in doing this, God was reconciling in Christ, He was reconciling the world to Himself, you see, making a way for this relationship to get back in place like He intended, not imputing their sins or trespasses to them. And He had committed unto us ministers and to all Christians, really. The word of reconciliation. This ministry of reconciliation. Reconciling others to God. Telling them the good news about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now then, it says in 2 Corinthians 5.20, Now then we are ambassadors of Christ. That's what Paul was pro proclaiming to the Corinthian church. Just like Jesus came proclaiming that he was, he was God and an ambassador for God. And being God, they still called him a devil. They did the same to Paul. 
Paul was beaten so many times. He, they tried to feed him to the lions in Ephesus. He fought them. They'd beat him and put him in prison. And one time, I believe, he was stoned to death. And, and the saints came and, and brought him back to life. So he talks about where he went to went to the third heaven, things he couldn't even talk about, but uh, he didn't know if he was dead or alive at the time, but God knows. I think that's, I think that's the time when he talks about when, well, nevertheless, it's another whole message. But an ambassador is a messenger, a messenger or a representative like of a country, right? As an ambassador, we don't act in our own authority. We don't communicate our own opinions or demands, but just what we've been told or commissioned to say or do. But getting back to the individual Christian and our salvation and, and growth or maturing, being a saint of God, we, we begin to learn to partake uh, of the promises of God to grow in the grace and knowledge of God so that we can participate in the blessings and the power that Jesus has provided through the atonement. Amen? Amen. What is the atonement? That one meant. Break it down. We have become one with God again through the atonement. At one meant. <laughs> Justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. Praise God. Amen. The problem... One of the problems, and I'll just touch on this, this yucky part first. <laughs> is, well, let me give you an example. The sun that warms our planet and gives us beautiful suntans and does all the great things it does. I know we're not as thankful for it in August in Texas that, or, you know, that, as, we, as we are when we first see it in the spring. But... <laughs> It's a good thing, right? <laughs> God's provided it there to provide us with light and warmth and to cause things to, to grow and so forth. But relation in relation to the earth, just in sheer size alone, how many how much larger or smaller would you think the sun is than the earth? Thank you. Larger. That's a good. That's a good guess. I'll give you a clue. She's right. Now, anyone want to guess, like in mass, how many times larger the sun is than the Earth? I mean, how many fingers would you use anyway? I mean, just to just say you have a number in your mind, like if it's a hundred or a thousand. How many? A thousand would be like four. Four digits. How many would you think digits and require to express the number of times larger the sun is than the earth? <laughs> the sun is 864,400 miles across. This is about 109 times the diameter of the earth. That's just the diameter. The sun weighs about 333,000 times as much as the earth. It is so large that about 1,300,000 planted earths can fit inside of the sun. Isn't that amazing? 
1,300,000, approximately, give or take a couple hundred thousand. Know that. <laughs> wow. Well, listen. Let, let let me not get off track here because we're still talking about the prosperity of the Christian, and I want to. I'm just trying to. God wants to help us today because He wants to point something out as we go into this. Because everyone gets excited about walking in victory and and prospering in every area of our life, and that God has made way for that. So we're all excited about these things, as we should be. But the problem is that, just like with us and the, the earth and the sun, most of us think that uh, we're kind of the center of the universe, and that we're the largest thing, and everything revol- revolves around us, you see. And that's not, that's not a good way to go at the Christian life. There are people that feel like this. They're so self-centered, self-absorbed. You just talk to them for two minutes, and you'll hear I and me more times than any other word in the conversation. (laughs) And I'm just here to say that this person might prosper. A selfish, self-centered person could prosper in a worldly point of view, and, and maybe in, in finances, for example. Or if they're a health nut, they, you know, and, 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 a, and, a, and a, the, the mirror is their, one of their gods, in other words, they might be very physically fit, you see. But, but those things are, are either going to be short-lived in their lives, or they're going to come with lots of other, a lack of peace, uh, other problems will will always be there because this is really not a Christ-centered life. It's a self-centered life. And self-centeredness is the root of all kinds of grief for the Christian. And so the sooner we come to terms with that, I mean, how many times have you ever seen, a, a, had a friend that was really depressed? And, and if you're wise and you're a good friend, you might encourage them just to, first of all, just get up and get out of the house. Get into the sunshine a little bit and maybe go find something good to do for somebody else. Pick up the phone and encourage somebody else. Why? Because that will do them good. When they begin to give of themselves, what, the next thing you know, they're prospering. All of a sudden, in other words, they feel better. That spirit of heaviness has been replaced by a spirit of praise and happiness and and it's all because they gave of themselves. And now God is causing them to reap a harvest of goodness. Amen. Some of the areas that we've been blessed. Let's look at Romans chapter 6 for a minute. And set free in order to enjoy this abundant life that Jesus has provided for us in John 10.10. 10. Romans chapter 6, Romans is after Acts, after the four Gospels, then you've got Acts, and then Romans in the New Covenant, the first, this is the letter to the Romans, Romans chapter 6, starting at the seventh verse, it said, for one who has died has been set free from sin. This is saying that the Christian we 
That's just like when we get baptized in water. We've already been saved, you see. And so now this is just something we do in obedience to, to Jesus, to uh, according to his wishes. It's an outward expression of an inner change that's already taken place. We're showing the world as we go down into the water and come back up that we are symbolically, we're saying that we have in our hearts and in our spirits, we have decided to die to ourselves and we have been joined to Christ in his death and again in his newness of life. And so that's what Paul's talking about here. We I'll go back to the sixth verse. We know that our old self was crucified. This would have taken taken care of it. Was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ has being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Hallelujah. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider or reckon yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let no sin, therefore, see, let no. We have a choice. But. Anything he's telling us to do, he's empowered us to do. Let no, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been bought from death to life or brought from death to life. Your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law but under grace. So there you go. Those who say that we're under grace, so Jesus took care of it and I can do whatever I want. This says here that sin won't have dominion over you because you're under grace. Because the grace of God is what empowers you to do the will of God. Hallelujah. What then? Are we to sin because we're not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either to sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness." God is good. God is good. He has made a way and He's given us His perfect instruction. Paul said, if it weren't for the law, I wouldn't have known what sin was. So it's good to to study and to know what God's heart is, what His standard of holiness is, because how can we know who Christ in us is unless we know who He is to begin with and what He's like? (laughs) Hallelujah. But there are several areas, and I'm just going to touch on them all because I want to encourage us in every area because we all struggle from time to time in different areas of our lives, and they've all been provided for. So the first thing I want to mention that God has made provision for is, well, we just talked about our spiritual accommodations. He, he made us the righteousness of God. He set us free, forgave our sins, and, and made us His children. So spiritually, we are free. Amen? Another thing, though, is is mentally, and this is one that uh, a lot of people don't 
talk about. You'll hear a lot about finances and physical on television and other things like that. But the mental is very important because really the battlefield is right between our ears. Um, and Satan is, is trying to get us to agree with him. And so while the Christian warrior or soldier, like I talked about last week, has many obstacles which are without, there are also just as many or more within. And the good news, though, is that God has made provision. And he wants us to understand, to know how to overcome every obstacle. 2 Timothy 1.7 says that for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. So there's something we can lay hold of right there to show us that our God is good and not evil. And that even in our thought life, in our minds, that we are not powerless. We are not victims. Christians are not to in, be involved in self-pity because it's demonic. <coughs> so when God shows us these things that are not of Him, it's for a reason. Because He doesn't want us to be tricked and trapped into that deception. Because the thief cometh not but for to steal from us, to kill us, destroy us. And the devil has all different types of death that he wants to put on you. It's not just make you sick and kill you or kill you in an accident or something. He wants to bring death into your life. Negativity, depression, strife, division. You see, that's always the work of the devil. And God has prepared us for that. So all who will would live a life in and after the Spirit, which means in agreement with God and His Word, will not be deceived by these things. And when they see them coming, even in themselves, because we all, you know, I talk about sometimes when I'm driving, I, you know, hey, you know, but, but even if we go ahead and do it or say or whatever, we should be quick to repent, you know. The more our relationship with God grows... And the closer we are to Him, and we know anyway, we, we, we don't run from Him, we run to Him, even when we're bad. That's the best advice I can give anybody. <clears throat> so when we do screw up, we just run right to Him. Lord, I'm sorry. I dropped the ball again. For the, yes, yes, for the, for the 133 millionth time. Yes. <laughs> but that's a wise thing to do. Instead of running to him and running from him where the enemy will meet you. And he'll meet you out there and go, hey, you're right. Come on out here with me. Oh, they're too hard on you. Just agree with me. I'm your friend. Come on up this tree. Come on out on the end of this long limb. I'm your friend. I got you back. And then he'll leave you hanging right there on the end of that bad limb 40 feet in the air, you see. He only comes to steal, kill, and destroy So we have this spirit of power and love and a sound mind, not fear. Fear is the enemy of the Christian. You notice in the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6 that there's only one offensive weapon. It's the sword and then all of the armor, but none of it is for the back. <laughs> it's not for the back. We're supposed to either stand firm or attack. 
You know, the word of God is the weapon that Jesus used against Satan, and it's good enough for you. <clears throat> Romans 12, verse 1, Paul is begging us, pleading with us as Christians, based on everything good that God has done on our behalf, based on the fact that he came and made himself like us to make a way for us. I beseech you, therefore, he says, Brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, he says. His only reasonable request of God is that you be like him now that he is your father and that considering everything he's done, all of the mercy he's expressed toward you, would it be too much to ask? If you just agree with him now, because if you got yourself into a bind, uh, the human human condition as a whole that would never have been able to be undone had it not been for the grace of God and the mercy of God and him coming in the flesh. So can you see based on that why God would be a little bit offended by those who just think that Jesus is one of the ways to have how offensive to God. It undermines the blood of Jesus Christ. But, he says, this is your reasonable service. Problem is, a lot of people think that if they do this, present themselves as a living sacrifice, then it's all well and good. But Paul makes it clear that you also have to do something else. You have to renew your minds. If you don't do that, Romans 12, 1, where he says, just present yourselves a living sacrifice. In other words, he's saying, be holy. <laughs> that word scares people, so I'll say it like this. Walk in love. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in agreement with God, and you won't ever offend. And, <clears throat> But most people think they can just do that, okay? But you can't do that because if you just try to do Romans 12, 1, there's no source of power there for you to do it you'll do it in the flesh and if to the degree that you succeed you'll become legalistic and to the degree that you fail and you will you'll become condemned so here's the answer be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove or, or know what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of god the will of God is the Word of God. With the help of the Holy Spirit, you can walk in that victory. Amen. And that's what's necessary. You can't do it alone, but you're not alone. I, I can do nothing apart from Christ. Well, that's true, but He will never leave me or forsake me. <clears throat> the Word of God, the, the Bible magnifies, it, it shines the light on our true identity in Christ. It illuminates the pathway to life, love, peace, prosperity, health, eternal life, and all the good things which come from God. And every good and perfect gift does come from God, doesn't it? Isaiah 26.3 says that he, <coughs> he will keep those in perfect peace whose minds are stayed on him. And that's a beautiful promise that I share all the time. Because it's worth reflecting on. Sometimes when I get 
out of sorts and I can just feel that I don't have any peace and what that usually represents is some sort of worry or depression or something like that trying to attack you which means you've kind of sidestepped God and put yourself on the throne uh, of your life so you're the one in charge and you've got to figure it out and you've got to carry the burden and the load and it'll destroy you when I feel that sort of thing and it's typically once or twice a day at a minimum I remember things like this. Oh, he promised to keep me in perfect peace if I keep my mind stayed on him. So what I'll do, I'll start just, I'll walk, I'll walk through, I'll begin walking through the chapters of John. I'll I'll just see myself with Jesus. I'll just see myself with him. I'll see him on the cross. Everything I'm worried about, I put it right there on his mind as I see him hanging there for me, suspended between heaven and earth. Any sickness or pain that comes against me, right there, right there in his side, not mine, right there in his mind, not mine, the worry, the sickness, the disease, anything, <laughs> I just see it on him. And then I and then I watch them take him down off of there. I watch him take him to the grave and put all that stuff away, all my junk, all my bad stuff. Put it away in that grave and put the roll the stone over it, and then I see him come out of there without any of that trash, victorious and free. And that's who I am now. Don't see yourself in Christ hanging on the cross. You you went there with him, but you didn't stay there. Neither did he. Amen. Amen. You're alive now with the life of God. The life that I live now is not I who live, but Christ who liveth in me. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me and gives life to this mortal body. Amen. Amen. You're Holy Ghost powered. What can worldly things do to you? (laughs) If you unplugged from God, you just fall over dead because you already died with him. You see, you were dead in sins and trespasses. You were judged and you were headed for hell, to be honest with you. Born that way. Not because of the sins you committed, but because you had a sin nature when you got here. Now, those kids who didn't know the difference when they went on ahead and went on home, they're fine. Trust me. But once you became aware of good and evil and right and wrong and, and all that, then, then you got a problem until you come to know Christ. And thank God all of you here do know Him and love Him. Amen. And He loves you so much that He's never going to Never going to leave you. Never going to forsake you. Got a great plan for your life. And to the extent that you seek Him, you will find it. And you will embark upon it. And He's going to bring great things to pass. If your dreams aren't bigger than things that you can accomplish on your own, then you're not dreaming His dreams yet. You got to ask Him. He will give you the desires of your heart. But that's when you come into agreement with Him. Think about that. Because He's not going to just give you things that will destroy you. He's not going to give you worldly things. He's not going to give you someone else's spouse. He's not going to give you just a brand new Maserati when you can't even afford the insurance on it. You get your thoughts, you get your life aligned with His. Then, in Amos 3.3 says, How can two walk together lest they be agreed? He wants you to agree with Him. So you can walk and talk and fellowship all the time. And then the desires in your heart will be His desires for you. 
And you will just, you won't even have to ask God. So many times we're asking, God, bless my plans. Bless, bless my plans. Bless this endeavor. Bless this one. You know why? Because we don't know for sure if they're God or not. We don't know for sure. So wouldn't it, wouldn't it be better just to live in a place of surrender, a yielded life to, to Jesus who is awesome? And just say, and that way when he puts something in your heart and it stays there for a few days and you're in your, your prayer closet or wherever you meet with God and you're praying and until you know that you're just there with him and all the worldly stuff is gone and you still have that desire in your heart, that's God. That's, right. that's God right there. So then you can just embark on that endeavor. And when all the obstacles that will come, come before you, you don't have to go, oh God. I hope this was you. I ran into a problem. Must not have been God. Wrong. You see the difference? When people don't really have God at the center of their life, they're always confusion. And God is not the author of confusion. The confidence that you need is available. But listen, just like any relationship, you know, I, I, I see Randy and Beverly there. They're best friends. I see John and Linda, best friends. I know this this one here, best friend. Boy, she keeps me busy. But if if you didn't even talk to each other, if you didn't even see one another, if you didn't care how the other one felt, you see, there's no relationship there. And it's the same with us and God. He loves us. You would still love that person. You would be sad though. You would be hurting. You would feel like what is going on here. You know? Or if you're the one doing it. You know how selfish. Self-centered. But God is there for us. And he, he wants nothing more than just to be first place in our lives. Because that's what's best for us. And that's where the victory comes from. I just want to hit on one or two things quickly. And then. I'm not going to do the whole message today because we've kind of elaborated. But, you know, we are blessed physically as well. By Jesus' stripes, you were healed. If you were healed, you remain healed. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. He did it for one. He'll do it for you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. All that put together means, yeah, he's willing. <laughs> the leper asked if you're willing you can make me clean he said I'm willing and reached out his hand and touched him based on those other scriptures I just shared you don't have to ask are you willing anymore you know you know so now when we ask Lord if it's your will please heal me is that a good prayer Amen. it's not you might not have heard the first part if we say Lord if it's your will please heal me no because we know that it's His will. So we, there's a lack of faith in there somewhere. Or understanding, you know. But as we grow in these truths, we just apply them in our lives, plant them in our hearts. And if God said it, that settles it. I don't care what anyone says. As a matter of fact, I'm going to exclude myself from some of those wrong prayers. And I'm going to gently remind them, listen now, let me just help you. Let's just change our prayer a little bit. All prayer is good. It's better than not talking to God at all. But let me just... Let me just Let's inject a little faith into the prayer. Because in Mark 11, like verses 22 through 24, where Jesus was saying, just believe in God, believe in me. He said, you say to this mountain, be ye removed and cast into the sea, and don't doubt 
but believe that what you pray for, you have. When you pray, you shall have it. Sounds backwards, but the kingdom of God is a kingdom of opposites. We have to believe we already have something that we don't really have in the natural. Because why? You are a spiritual being. God is a spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. God's looking at you after the spirit. That's why He sees you so perfect and holy and cleansed when you're like, man, I don't know. He probably does love some people, but oh, not me. Because he's not looking at you like you do. Oh, I see all the blemishes and imperfections. And I know what I said to my wife today. No, he's looking at your born again spirit, which is perfect now. Holy. It's just the mind of Christ right there. And he knows that as you grow and agree with him in the spirit. And you come in agreement with his word, which is spirit. And the help of the Holy Spirit that your soul is being renewed. Now your mind, your will and emotions. And so this spirit is siphoning out into your soulish realm where it can benefit you. And then this body, this vehicle will just follow suit. Two against three. Once your soul lines up with your spirit. Praise God. See, before we knew God, our soul was lining up with our spirit. Because our spirit was corrupt. We had a sin nature. So you say the devil made me do it. You're really telling the truth. Now, as a believer, a born-again Christian who God has redeemed, paid such a high price for, you can't say that anymore. You can say, well, I have a choice, and I, I chose wrong that time, but God still loves me, and he forgives me. That's absolutely right. Amen. But don't blame it on God anymore. <laughs> uh, but regarding that physical, I'll just give you one or two scriptures. Isaiah 53, which we're all familiar with, 4 and 5 says that surely he... Jesus hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Matthew, forward to the new covenant now. Because some people read that. And when you're... A proponent of physical healing, you can give that to some religious-minded people, and they'll say, no, that's all just a spiritual application. Well, look at this. Matthew, the New Covenant, chapter 8, verse 16 and 17. It'll prove it up in the natural. When the evening was come, this is when Jesus was at Peter's mother-in-law's house, and he had gone in there and healed her, and she got up and served them. And then that night, it says, when evening was come... They brought unto him, unto Jesus, many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. Now, what's that got to do with Isaiah 53? Continuing on in Matthew 8, 16. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. You see, it's not just a spiritual thing because it says here he is healing all that were sick there and and delivering all those who are oppressed of demons. And it says so that it would be fulfilled what Isaiah had talked about. First Peter two twenty four. Peter mentions it again in the past tense already being done. We who his who his own self, Jesus, bore our sins on his body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live 
unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. And in Acts 10, 38, he says, Don't you know, haven't you heard of this Jesus of Nazareth who, who was anointed by God and the Holy Ghost, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil? Jesus said, Those things I do, you will do also, and greater things, because I go to my Father, and I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit to help you. Amen? Amen. You got time for one more just to touch on our finances? Okay. This helped me a lot. The biggest thing was just learning what I told you about, like the sun, and just knowing that it wasn't all about me. That was the biggest thing to ever help me with God. And knowing that I didn't have to worry about me so much because He was doing that. That's the biggest help to the Christian. Then we can be free to be who he made us to be, which is just a giver, a lover, a servant. Not worrying about how we're going to take care of number one. Because God has done that. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, You shall remember the Lord thy God, who has given you power to obtain wealth. So, power and anointing the ability, a supernatural ability to do a thing, specific thing, have been given to you to obtain wealth. And now we just need to learn how to use it, this power. So it says he gave us power to obtain wealth. So how do we use this power? How do we learn to use it, to release it, to participate in the plan for prosperity that God has set in place? We have to, first of all, get out and work. He will bless whatever it says that you put your hands to. You got to put your hands to something, okay? Then you begin to sow and reap. The Deuteronomy 28.8, The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand to. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God hath given thee. Deuteronomy 15.10 says, You shall surely give to him and your heart shall not be grieved when you give unto him, because for this thing the Lord your God shall bless you in all your works and in all that you put your hand unto. There it is again. And then Luke, in the sixth chapter, he talks about this law that's in place and will always be until this world is gone, put in place for our benefit. It says, give. And it shall be given unto you. This is Jesus talking in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verse 38. Given, it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Listen, shall men give into your bosom. There's, that's, a, that's a very important key right there. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. So this is the, the, the law of sowing and reaping. But there's two, two other things involved there too. You have to cooperate with these things. And once you realize that the blessing has already been spoken over you. Commanded by God through his word upon you as a Christian believer. And that God has already anointed you to obtain wealth. With the power to do it. Then it becomes easier to believe and to receive. You see. 
But you have to understand that God, when we sow and reap, when God looking to bless you, He's looking for a person to be that blessing also. Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father. He's got hands and feet here now. And He's looking for someone to be a blessing to you. And so, I know a lot of people, unlike Randy, Randy's got this down. Randy is a people person. Randy knows how to uh, be, to, to, to serve, to love, to be... He just loves everybody. People he just met. They're like, what's his angle, man? What's he up to? Because he, I love you. Well, they know him 10 years later. He's still telling them the same thing he did the first day he met him. And he hadn't got anything from him yet. So he must not have been after anything. Just their, their friendship. But we have to cultivate relationships. You see, it's called networking in the world. And it's all to get something. But we do it because that's who we are. We love. God has created us in his likeness. And God is love. And so we're not all, we don't all have that kind of, personality so we're all different believe me i know and there are some of us who are just not not that quite outgoing and so forth and, and, and this is not a condemning thing but don't shut it off either don't shut it off when god tries to bless you with relationships godly relationships because we need more godly friends and mentors in our lives we need someone when we pick up the phone when we're hurt or offended we pick up the phone and call that person or First, really, we should go to God. But if we pick up the phone and talk to somebody, it's not just a worldly friend who will agree with us and, and get on board with our offenses and, and enforce them. Yeah, you're right, girl. He shouldn't have done that to you. No, you need a godly friend who will point you back to the Word of God. Remind you to forgive and forgive quickly. Okay, let's pray for this person. Let's pray for this situation. Because that's what's best for you. You, might, you don't want that friend when you're really mad. But that's what you need. You want that person that will just agree with you and sympathize with you. And these are all demonic things, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> now, compassion is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. There's a difference. There's a difference. And you might have to just hold somebody for a minute and comfort them and all that. But don't agree with them in their offense. You know what I'm saying? There's a difference. You get it? And after a while, we're going to... Oh, now, it's not that... Oh, you know, he, he does love you. He, you know, he shouldn't have done that to you. He shouldn't have said, we know, but uh, that's all right. He, you know, you can do... Anyway, you get it, right? Yeah. Okay, there's a difference. There's a difference. Nevertheless, there's a lot about the financial. I could do a week on the financial, but just to know that God has pro provided for your finances, but, <clears throat> but seed don't grow in the sack. You have to sow to reap. The same thing goes for your your love and everything else but finances are a big part of that you have to sow and reap and then expect a harvest some people just give out of a religious uh, tradition and then and then when God wants to bless them oh no God I would never ask you to do anything more you've blessed me so much already that proves that you think it's all about you it might look like humility but when you know that you're blessed to be a blessing how could you want to cut off the supply if you think it's just for you to fill your barns more, uh, I'm, I'm good, Lord. And then you would be right. But if it's to be a blessing, bring it on. Bring it on, Lord. And, and as you do, continue, Lord, to bring me up and raise me up and strengthen me in wisdom to be a good steward for you. Because I know it's all about you. You see? And then it gets so much fun then.
socially, God has blessed you. Remember, and I'll leave it at this, in Luke 2.52, it said, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So as he grew, he grew in all these things that we're talking about too. Even though he was God, he, he took away all those rights and privileges and caused himself to have to endure everything that we did and to learn all these things. Yeah. It wasn't like people say, we're, uh, oh, growing up with Jesus, oh, uh, Jesus, will you get me that off the top shelf? You know, no, he didn't do that. <laughs> Just magic, you know. No, he didn't. He didn't. The, the Bible never says he did one miraculous thing until after he was baptized with the, in water and with the Holy Ghost, which happened to him at the same time with his brother John, um, his cousin John. But then, remember, his first miracle was performed at a wedding in Cana of Galilee where he turned water into wine. I don't believe he did anything before that because he was just like us. And his the power and authority he used while he was here, even though he was God, he didn't, he didn't use that because he, he became a kinsman redeemer like us so that one like us could redeem us. Because it was a man that gave away our authority in the garden. A man had to get it back. So he took advantage of the Holy Spirit and the power and abilities and the, the gifts of the Spirit that came from the Holy Spirit. And that's the same benefit that you have as a Christian. Everything Jesus had here, you have. We just have to believe it and learn to, you know, cooperate with the spiritual laws and, and things, the promises of God that are in place. Amen. And I think once we do that, we're going to see a lot more uh, victory in our lives in specific areas and things. And I'm believing that for each and every one of you. Amen. Amen. Do you hear him today? Yes, sir. Have we got anything out of this? Yes, sir. Praise God. Well, then he did his job. Wasn't just me talking to you then. Praise God. That's what I want. I don't ever want it to be me. I just want it to be him. And I, honest, from the bottom of my heart, that is, that is my belief that it's always him. I mean, now it's always uh, there's a person, so there, there there's going to be some of me mixed in somewhere. But you just spit those bones out and you listen to what God is telling you. Okay. All right. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so much and teaching us and raising us up to be more like you, Jesus. We thank you that you have provided for this. And we thank you that you love us enough to teach us about this, about the things that you've set in place for our benefit to partake of, to grow and strengthen in so that we walk in greater victory in greater confidence knowing that you are with us, will never leave us or forsake us, that you are our shepherd and that we have come in to the sheepfold through the door, which is you, the only way, the truth and the life. And we thank you, Lord, and we love you. And we thank you for leading us and blessing us. Everything we put our hands to, we just call blessed in the name of Jesus. Our bodies are blessed and healthy and whole in the name of Jesus, by whose stripes we were healed. Yes, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that our finances are blessed. We thank you, Lord, that all of these here and who are here today and will hear in the future, their finances are blessed, their bodies are blessed, healthy and whole. Their relationships are blessed and godly and they will be victorious in every part of their life, spirit, soul, and body, socially, economically, physically, and spiritually, Amen. and mentally. 
In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen.